let's move into our next little set of verses, Revelation 16, 17 through 21. Uh, and here we see uh, a proleptic view of the very end of the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, this is ushering in the very last moments, the last few stages of the last campaigns. Verse 17 says, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air and a loud voice came from the temple, from the throne saying, it is done. This is the same voice which comes out from the temple and the throne in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3. It says, another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. And smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand, and the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Um, so you remember, these were a bunch of proleptic verses that we would get towards the end of a set of judgments. And that's because these judgments, uh, they telescope on each other. So when we get to the last judgment, the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, we get a little bit of a taste of what this very last, uh, this very last judgment will be like, because uh, as I've said before, the seventh, actually all seven trumpets are uh, the seventh seal and all seven bowls are the seventh trumpet. Um, so when we get to the seventh uh, bowl, we're at seal 7.7.7. Um, it is the very last process or a stage of the process of God's uh, removing of the title deed of this earth from the hand of Satan or uh, from the de facto rule of this earth uh, from Satan. In Revelation 10, verses 5 to 7, we saw this uh, proleptically as well. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it and the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. So this is speaking of the seventh trumpet because the seventh trumpet, 7.7, .7, is the end of all things. So the last trumpet is the end of everything in the same way the seventh seal is the end of everything, in the same way that in the most minute detail, uh, the seventh bowl is the end of everything. So in Revelation 11, 15 to 17, says, then the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we have, uh, we give you thanks, O Lord God, the almighty who are and who were because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged and your wrath came and the time came for the dead to be judged and the time to reward your bond servants, the prophets 
and the saints and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. So all of these verses that we've been looking at through the last uh, at least six months, if not eight months, have been looking forward to this very moment, giving us just a shadow of what we see happening in the real time of Revelation's chronology here. We're at that seventh bowl, which is the final stage of all the seals and trumpets. And it comes with a great earthquake, just as we have seen before. There are at least three, if not four, distinct earthquakes that happen during the period of Revelation. Um, and earthquakes often come with God's presence and his judgment uh, in prophetic literature. So here in verse 18 of chapter 16 of Revelation, it says, there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty. Uh, so this is greater than the other great earthquakes that have happened during the period of Revelation. In Psalm 68, 8 through 10, we see that earthquakes accompanied God's presence on Mount Sinai when he gave the law to Israel. It says, the earth quaked, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself quaked at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Um, in Isaiah 29, we see it accompanying God's judgment. It says, but the multitude of your enemies will become like fine dust and the multitude of the ruthless ones, like the chaff which blows away and it will happen instantly, suddenly. From the Lord of hosts, you will be punished with thunder and earthquakes and loud noise with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a consuming fire. And the multitude of all the nations who wage war against Ariel which is another poetic name for Israel. Uh, even all who wage war against her and her stronghold and who distress her will be like a dream, a vision of the night. And so in Revelation 6, 12 through 13, uh, we saw an earlier earthquake, which at that time was the greatest to ever occur. Um, but its description is different from the description that we have here. So we know that this one is building in intensity, which is no surprise to us because many of the judgments as they move along chrono chronologically uh, are similar in style, but greater in intensity. So here in Revelation 6, during the sixth seal judgment, which is before this judgment, um, in fact, the earthquakes seem to kind of collapse on each other here. The sixth seal is followed by the seventh seal, which has two earthquakes as part of it. Um, but in Revelation 6, 12 through 13, it says, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. The stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. 
Now, this is a different description of what happens to the mountains and islands as we get in Revelation 16, 20, where it says, because of this earthquake, every island fled away and the mountains were not found. So not just a shaking or a moving or a displacing of mountains and, um, and islands, but an actual disappearance where the mountains will be laid flat and the islands will sink into the ocean. In Luke 21, we do have clear indication that there will be multiple earthquakes during the last days, the tribulation period. It says, then he continued by saying to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes and in various places, plagues and famines, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Um, so notice there will be great earthquakes uh, in the plural. In the text of Revelation, we see indication of at least three. Um, here are the four possible earthquakes, the sixth seal and the seventh seal. Um, very clearly distinguished from one another because uh, these are each part of the seal judgments and they are in distinct seals. Um, so there is a distinction between them. In uh, Revelation 11, 19, uh, is this 11, 19 or 10, 19? Oh, 11, 19, yeah. Uh, this earthquake happens only in Jerusalem and it kills, uh, what was it, 7,000 uh, in the city. This is not the greatest earthquake that has ever uh, hit the earth, but it is uh, targeted in Jerusalem only. This is not a global earthquake. In chapter 16, we get a global earthquake. Now, this might be the same earthquake as we get in uh, the seventh seal in uh, chapter 8, verse 5, because that's one of our proleptic verses that looks forward to the end uh, of the tribulation period. However, it may still be a distinct uh, earthquake. So there are at least three, if not four, great earthquakes that occurred during um, the book of Revelation's uh, time period. All right. In verses 19 and 20, uh, we get a little more detail about what happens during this earthquake. It says the great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath and every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Um, so here we've got three different uh, groupings of nations uh, given to us. One is the great city, the other is the other nations of the world, and then specifically Babylon. Uh, now, some pretty good scholars think that the great city is referenced to Babylon. Um, Babylon is usually distinguished in the book of Revelation as Babylon. Uh, and it wouldn't make sense why it's referred to in two different ways here. Uh, I lean towards this meaning Jerusalem, so that Jerusalem will be split into three parts at this time, and all the cities of the nations of the rest of the world fall completely. Um, they aren't just divided, but they're actually destroyed completely in the same way that the mountains and islands are destroyed. Uh, and then Babylon receives a specific judgment on top of all of this. So it will be destroyed just as the other cities um, and then receive extra judgment. But why I say the great city is Jerusalem is because this same phrase is used 
to refer to Jerusalem earlier. Um, in Revelation 11, 8, the location of the, uh, the two witnesses is Jerusalem, which again is not as referred to as clearly uh, as we would like. And that's why there is still question uh, as to whether it's Babylon or Jerusalem, but it seems to indicate Jerusalem. It says their dead bodies uh, will lie in the streets of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt, uh, where also their Lord was crucified. Uh, so that's really the clincher there. Where was Jesus crucified? Outside the city of Jerusalem. Uh, so this is probably indicating Jerusalem. And uh, that's where I land in interpreting this verse as well that Jerusalem will be divided into three parts because of this earthquake. And I think that's when uh, the Mount of Olives is divided. It says, in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. Uh, this is near where he was crucified. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other toward the south. And in that day, living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea. It will be in summer as well as in winter. So I think this is speaking of the results of that great earthquake. Uh, and these formations seem to remain into the millennial kingdom. Um, and the earthquake is probably what causes a lot of the differentiated uh, topography of the earth during the millennial kingdom. For example, the tallest mountain on earth will be in the Middle East at that point, and it'll be uh, a plateau of 50 miles wide, um, on top of which God will put his temple, the millennial temple, uh, which Jesus Christ will build. Uh, here in Ezekiel 47, we have a bit of that description uh, of that temple. It says, then he brought me back to the door of the house and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east for the house faced east and the water was flowing down from under from the right side of the house from the south of the altar. Uh, so this is part of a very, very long description of the millennial temple in Ezekiel 40 through 48. Uh, and it has a very similar um, description to the Mount of Olives um, after it is affected by this great earthquake. All right, the hail or hail will also come after this earthquake. It says huge hailstones about 100 pounds each came down from heaven upon men and men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail because its plague was extremely severe. Now the Greek word here for pounds or for a hundred pounds, uh, it's converted into uh, what is the maximum weight permitted by the Greek words. Uh, it's anywhere from 40 to hundred pounds. Uh, now in my personal opinion, if you're hit by something with uh, that weighs 40 pounds, you're not gonna notice much difference between 40 pounds and hundred pounds. Uh, you're dead either way. So these are going to be uh, incredibly large hailstones uh, that don't occur naturally, but are supernaturally um, created. And they are a supernatural judgment on the earth in the last days. Uh, these are reminiscent of the seventh plague on Egypt, but they far exceed its severity. In Exodus 9, 23, we read, Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky 
and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very severe, such as has not been in the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Uh, in Revelation 8, 7, we saw something a little more akin to what happened in Exodus than what we're seeing in the last stages of the tribulation period. Um, in Revelation 8, 7, it says the first uh, trumpet sounded and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and they were thrown down to the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. However, I think what's happening in the uh, tribulation period at the very last few days in the stages of Armageddon is a little more like what happened in Joshua's day. Uh, in chapter 10, verse 11, uh, after they had signed a um, treaty with uh, Gibeon, who they were not supposed to sign a treaty with, but they did, and so they were beholden to uh, protect them. And five kings decided that they were going to come against Gibeon uh, for having signed this treaty with Israel. And they call on Israel to come rescue them, and Israel does, and the Lord blesses that. Um, so in Joshua 10, it says, as they fled from before Israel, while they were at the descent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them as far as Ezekah, and they died. And there were more who died from the hailstones than those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Uh, now, this is interesting, so I'm going to keep reading for another three verses. Uh, then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, O sun, stand still at Gibeon and O moon in the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. It is not or is it not written in the book of Jasher? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. There was no light, no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Um, so notice these atmospheric disturbances, these miracles caused by God uh, repeat on occasion. Uh, similar things happen, especially when Israel is involved. And these don't mean it's referring to the same event but this is God's modus operandi. This is how God works when he is dealing with his people. Uh, he causes miracles to happen, to rescue them, um, to show his power among all the nations. Uh, so although he is going to rescue Israel, uh, this comes at the end of their cycles of judgment. This is their final round of judgment through which they are saved. Uh, was it Zephaniah or Zechariah that spoke of uh, them passing through the fire and a third of them um, surviving? They're being refined like fine metal. In Deuteronomy 30, this is the promise of their restoration, but we see that it comes through judgment. Um, so it shall be when all of these things have come upon you. This is after two chapters of describing all of the uh, consequences for failure. Uh, when all these things have come upon you, the blessings and the curse, which I have set before you, 
and you call them to mind in all the nations where the Lord God has banished you. Keep in mind all the nations. Israel has only once been banished to more than one nation. And you return to the Lord your God and obey him and all your heart and, and soul according to all that I command you today, you and your sons. Then the Lord God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there the Lord will gather you. And from there he will bring you back. Then the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it, and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Oh, and this is supposed to be verse 6. Uh, verse 6 indicates that uh, all of the judgments that came on Israel will come on those who came against Israel. So all of the judgments that have been um, targeting Israel are then going to target Israel's enemies. Uh, so that will include um, all of the plagues that came on Israel. This is how the Lord restores Israel. He restores them through the fire and he'll bring judgment on all of their enemies. He will save a third uh, out of uh, the tribulation period. And that is a third of those who are alive at the end. Um, so it's going to be a small remnant, uh, but it is a remnant nonetheless. All right, let's conclude here by looking at uh, all of these bold judgments that we have seen in the last two weeks. Uh, they were covered in sores. Uh, the seas turned to blood and the rivers turned to blood. They lost all, uh, all water sources. The scorching heat would then boil the blood and exacerbate the pain of the sores. Uh, this scorching heat and then the darkness over the beast's kingdom, these are specifically spoken of in many Old Testament prophecies of the last days of the, uh, of the earth, um, coming with extreme heat like a furnace, and uh, that there would be no light in the last days. The Euphrates drying up for the kings of the east to cross, uh, this speaks of God preparing the way for these uh, armies of the world to come to battle against Israel and against God. Um, and then he brings in complete destruction. So this uh, prepares us for what we are going to see next week then when we go into a little more detail on the campaigns of Armageddon. Right. That is the end of our chapter 16 in Revelation. Just another reminder, Life of Messiah uh, starts in one month. So uh, if you haven't signed up and you're thinking of signing up, uh, sign up and come learn about the life of Christ with us from a Messianic Jewish perspective. That's not my perspective, uh, but it is what I believe or how I believe we should be looking at Jesus because Jesus was not a Greek. He was a Jew and he came into a Jewish context. We have to understand the New Testament by the Old Testament. Uh, and unfortunately, many churches look at scripture through Greek philosophy rather than uh, Jewish history. So um, by a Jewish perspective, I'm not talking of Jewish opinion. 
um, but a Jewish framework for understanding uh, the four gospels. So uh, it'll, it's gonna be a fun study, six months, 27 weeks, absolutely free. Um, if you want to purchase a student manual that has homework and exercises to get you prepared for the class, um, you can, but it's not necessary because we will provide those one week ahead of time for free anyways. Um, so it literally is absolutely free, no need to register, um, but helps us know how many packets we need to print out each week if you do. Um, Are we going to get college credit for it? <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've wondered <laughs> if we can give like some sort of a certificate for completion. <laughs> well, we should get a certificate for it revelation as well. <laughs> it, it'll say, I know, I know him yeah. with a capital H. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, I think uh, you guys are real troopers to stick with it for uh, more than a year now um, in Revelation. I thought we were going to finish in a year. So, uh, yeah. Obviously, we all like it. We all are Good. still here and looking forward to Daniel. Yes, Daniel's going to be fun too. I wonder if I can get that done in a year. That's just 12 chapters. You're kind of scaring me now. <laughs> Are we talking about Ezekiel? Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll be raptured before then anyway. Well, Ezekiel, Ezekiel is going to be fun. And in fact, I've got a quick little PowerPoint on um, why Ezekiel 40 to 48 is, uh, is future for the millennial kingdom. Um, if anyone's interested, I can, uh, I can do that real quick. Because we finished pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me pull that up. So I have a question. Yeah. I'm trying to remember because it was like beginning and the end of tonight. <clears throat> there were some uh, scriptures that stated that, Christ, that God will come against the um, unbelief of Jew, the Jewish people and re reference to them as harlots and whatnot, which to, in, in my understanding that's all of those, all of those campaigns that they believed in as their savior, or as their lord, or as you know something that they basically um, worshipped instead of God. And yeah. then the end. This is where I can't remember because you just said it. It was um, that part of the judgment was against those who came against Israel. So are those one and the same or what, what do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I, I know what you're asking. Uh, the quick answer to that is their restoration happens in three stages. Uh, they'll first be converted and then they'll be uh, regenerated and then they'll be uh, saved. Uh, it's, uh, if you look at Daniel chapter nine, uh, it's somewhere around verse 25, it might be verse 25, uh, where it says that 70 weeks are allotted to them um, to do um, six different things, one of them being to restore. Um, and let me pull it up so I can get it. So correct. is that part, part of getting them there is by either showing them that they were an adulterous nation? against god yeah and that that happens through his punishment of those 
because I don't think it's just nations, it's ideologies and, and, and different religions, isn't it? Yeah, so um, what he does miraculously in the last days is he's going to bring Israel back to Jerusalem. Um, so it's not going to be like it is today where fewer, like um, of the percentage of um, Jews today, less than 50% live in Israel. That's not going to be the case during the tribulation period. Through that period and through the persecution of the Antichrist, uh, which we read about in the last uh, few verses of Revelation 12, uh, where he goes and makes war with the rest of uh, the children of Israel, that is going to push them back to the land of Israel where they are being supernaturally preserved, actually in Basra. Um, the Lord brings them into Jerusalem, um, but they are converted there through distress. Um, so it is uh, a conversion through, or, well, here, let me back up a bit. Their restoration to the land comes in two parts, one not in belief and one in belief. Um, so that's the Valley of Dry Bones, where first um, they are made whole bodies, not just bones, and then they're given um, breath. That speaks of their two-stage um, coming back to the land, where they come back not in faith through trial and tribulation in uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. They are converted spiritually to Christ so that they look on him whom they pierce, as Zechariah 10 tells us, um, and they mourn. Uh, this speaks of their actual spiritual conversion. Uh, and they will accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah, whom they rejected in the first century. Um, at that point, they will call on the name of Jesus, and he will come and rescue them. Uh, so it is at the time that they accept him uh, nationally as their Messiah that he comes back and restores them. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think okay. I just had a different concept. It was, mm -hmm. yeah. So Zechariah 10 through 14 um, is one of the primary uh, texts for that. I think Amos 3 uh, and um, bits and pieces of Ezekiel, like Ezekiel 39 and 40 uh, speak of that. Isaiah 65. Um, so we're going to look at some of those next week because that's, uh, that's the fifth stage in the Battle of Armageddon, is the full conversion of Israel. So the distress, I, I just think I have too many things going on in my head over this, because their distress is caused by them understanding that they did it wrong this whole time. And that they put their hope in the wrong. wrong. The Antichrist. Because, and that's, it's like, how does that happen? How did they get there? Is that because there's things happening and, they're going to be reaching for those things that they've normally gone to and find that they're weak or um, non-existent and then finally turn to Christ? Or is it like he's going to give them a new mind, like like an aha moment that um, I, I guess I'm missing that part? Uh, yeah, that is, uh, there's a couple different places I could go to point you to. Um, one is look at what happened in the first century. It was the Pharisees that they looked to. The Pharisees rejected Jesus Christ because he wasn't the Pharisee. He wasn't right. preaching Pharisaic law. He wasn't preaching the oral law. Um, he was preaching the law of Moses and the law of Moses alone. Uh, 
then you could go places like Zechariah 13 that speaks of the false shepherds that will uh, that will arise in Israel, uh, some claiming to be false Christs, um, but the primary false Christ of the last days, um, they're going to, at least I believe, uh, I don't know if this is a common opinion or not, but I think that's what's spoken of in, in uh, Deuteronomy 17, where it says, don't put a foreigner over your country. I think they will look to the Antichrist as a Messiah figure. Um, and it's at the midpoint of the tribulation where he turns against them and they become the object of his wrath. Um, at that point, uh, I think they're going to realize that the Messiah that they rejected in the first century, and because of that rejection, they kept looking for one. Well, the uh, Antichrist is going to come promising what, them what they had expected the Messiah to be, uh, contrary to biblical evidence of who he would be. Um, so they'll accept him, but then realize that what they were waiting for uh, wasn't the Messiah. Um, so it's not only at that point, but also through the actual judgments of God, which will be coming on Israel until the moment of their um, conversion. So up until the last few hours of the tribulation period, they are still in rebellion against God, just like the rest of the world. But God's purpose for the tribulation period isn't to convert the whole world, though many will be converted through that. It's to convert Israel. And at the moment that Israel converts, that they, they accept their king nationally, that judgment comes off of Israel and is directed full bore towards the Antichrist's kingdom, which is under judgment at that time. But then they receive Israel's judgment as well, which is what Deuteronomy 30 is speaking of. So it's, it's a judgment on the whole world. But then once they come to faith, that judgment essentially sheds off of them and is directed out towards their enemies. Yeah, and the way I've, I kind of have looked at that is that Israel is, is God's child and the rest of us are Christ's bride. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, and, uh, what is it? Exodus 14 says that uh, Israel is God's firstborn, uh, but yeah. he, he will uh, chastise his firstborn um, as any good father would in order to bring them into obeyance. Uh, so in order for them to, uh, to spiritually mature as a nation, they're going to have to be brought through the fire. Uh, you could look at it as a, an adolescent with a terrible rebellious streak that needs to have that burned out of them. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so does that answer the question good enough? Yeah, uh, it does. Okay. Um, yeah. We will look at it more specifically next week as well, and I'll, I'll bring in the scriptural references. I'm trying to pull them from memory here. Uh,